For they had sworn with all their heart, and had sought him with their whole desire. And he was found by them, and the Lord gave them rest all around. Well, hello, church. If I haven't met you before, my name is Brian. I'm the creative pastor here at CTK, and I'm excited to be with you. I know that worship looks a little bit different these days, but our God is the same yesterday, today, forever. Amen? Amen. So I just want to clarify something on the front end. So the restrictions say no singing, but notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say anything about responding with a good old-fashioned hearty amen. So if you're sitting there thinking, man, I really want to respond to what he's saying, but I'm not really sure what uh, I can do, I give you full permission in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to give me an amen. I'm a words of affirmation person. So the more you talk to me, the better I'm going to preach. It's as simple as that. So this week, uh, my wife asked me a question. She said, when's the last time that you remember feeling truly calm? Amen, sweet. (laughs) And the moment that came to mind uh, was actually a moment that I captured in a picture, and it looked like this. There it is right there. So, so this is circa 2018, pre-kids, if you can imagine it, uh, sipping a fruit smoothie with a pineapple next to a fake beach in Poipu, Kauai, living my best life. Life was good, uh, and it was fantastic. The drink was delicious. The company was even better, but I've got to tell you, it wasn't the drinks or the company that made that moment calm. What made it calm was what had just happened before, because sometimes calm is a matter of context. You see, five hours before this picture was taken, my pregnant wife and I were on a Black Hawk helicopter being evacuated out of a flash flood zone in northern Kauai. I got a picture of that, too. And three days before that, we got stuck in what has since been confirmed to be the most prolific 24-hour rainstorm in U.S. history. It looked something like this. And so I'm not trying to brag. It was 50 inches of rain in 24 hours. You think that you've seen rain because you're a P&W person, but you have never seen anything like this. This was the kind of rain that you step into it for an instance and you're saturated to your core and it wasn't intermittent. It just kept coming for 24 hours straight. It washed out every road. The local officials told us that we might be trapped for weeks. Whatever the opposite of calm is, that's what we were feeling in that moment. It was chaotic. And if we're honest, we were feeling pretty scared. But on the third day, everyone say third day. This is where it starts to sound like an Easter message, even though it's not. On the third day, without any notice, the military sent some Black Hawk helicopters to start evacuating people in need. And since my wife was pregnant at the time, we got priority. And in the quintessential moment, we had to get from our house that we were staying at to where the helicopters were leaving, which was about a 100-yard trek. But most of that distance was underneath two to three feet of contaminated water. And since Kristen was five months pregnant and she had a couple cuts on her legs, we didn't want to risk it, so we decided that it would be best if I carried her across the water. So, so get this picture in your head. Biggest 24-hour flood in U.S. history, stranded, intermittent power, rationing our food, filtering and boiling water, 100 yards to freedom. And I pick up my wife, who's five months pregnant, with our unborn child. And I start trekking through some contaminated water on my way to a Black Hawk helicopter that's waiting for us on the other side. And I have got to tell you, friends, I have never felt like more of a man in my entire life. Amen. I could have sworn there were explosions going off behind me. It was like a Michael Bay movie. It was magic. 
And we ended up getting in the helicopter. We flew to safety, caught a ride to the south end of the island. Some family friends picked us up, brought us to the resort. All of a sudden, I had a smoothie in my hand wondering what just happened. So I snapped a picture. And that's the moment that came to mind when I thought of the last time that I felt truly calm. And I've felt calm plenty of times since then, but it was nothing like that. This was a different level of calm. This was a complete calm. And it got me thinking, isn't it interesting that oftentimes the greatest calm comes out of the greatest chaos? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You can't fully experience calm without first experiencing a storm. You can't fully appreciate peace unless you've experienced war or at the very least small children. You can't fully appreciate abundance unless you've suffered through a little bit of loss. And this is just the way that God works. God uses storms to deepen our appreciation for the calm. God uses uncertainty to deepen our faith. And it's often on the other side of the storm that we see what God was doing in the storm. And so I share that story for a couple of reasons. The first reason I really like that story uh, it's the only story that I've got with Black Hawk helicopters and carrying my pregnant wife through infected water. So I, I've got to pull it out from time to time. And the second reason, a little bit more important, is that I think it helps frame our conversation today that's all about the difference between chaos and calm and peace. Chaos and calm and peace. I titled today's message, When Peace Looks Like Chaos. And I'm excited to preach it to you, but first I just want to take a moment to, to pray with you. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Holy Spirit, you are here. We thank you that you hear our, our prayers, our cries, our thanksgivings. God, thank you for the opportunity to expand our idea uh, of what worship truly is. God, I think sometimes we, we know in our head that it's more than just singing, but we actually have to uh, enact it so that we can actually see the power that you have actually invested in each one of us, God, as a medium through which your blessing can flow. So God, today we lean into that. We lean into the opportunity in front of us. And God, we just say, would you show us what peace looks like, God, when it doesn't look like calm? Because this season hasn't looked like calm. And so, God, on behalf of all of us, you have our full attention. God, would you not only speak, would you give us the ability to tune in to your station so that we can hear what you have to say to each and every one of us, God? And would you give us the humility to actually um, to, to act it out in our lives? God, we don't want to just put information in our pocket. We want to leave here changed. And so we pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So chaos and calm, chaos and calm. And if I were to say that chaos is on one side of a spectrum and, and calm was on the other, and I were to tell you, you have the word peace, where are you going to put it on this spectrum? I would guess that most of us would put it over on the, the calm side. It's just a hunch. I don't want to assume because I know what assuming does to you and me, but it's just simple word association. We tend to think of peace and peace is calm and calm is peace. But, but in the reality, in, in the scriptures, the Hebrew word for peace is actually the word shalom. And the word shalom has more to do with wholeness than it does with calmness. And why this matters is that there's seasons where we feel surrounded by chaos. And in those seasons, what we actually need is peace. But what we tend to go looking for is actually calm. What we tend to pray for, what we tend to desire in those moments of chaos is calm, even though what we truly need is peace. 
And what we end up doing is trying to create little pockets of calm for ourselves in the form of Netflix, in the form of food, in the form of all sorts of coping mechanisms that help us feel in control even though we're not. And here's the issue. Some of you are so busy looking for calm that you want that you end up missing out on the peace that you need. Friends, God could be pouring out his peace, but the issue is you don't recognize it unless it's wrapped in calm. And really, that's what this series is all about. It's about your perspective. It's about your ability to see God's provision in the midst of uncertainty. It's about this idea of I might, or it might look like I'm surrounded, but I am surrounded by the presence of God. And so we have a choice in being surrounded. We can either focus on our enemies or on the Christ who's with us in the chaos. And each of us has that decision to make. And today, uh, I want to look at a Jesus story to help us better understand this concept and give us um, some some footing so that we can speak into that. So we're going to be in Matthew 8, starting in verse 23. If you have a Bible, feel free to pull that out. If you have an app, you can pull that out. If not, it's going to be on the screens. But before we get into verse 23, I really want to just speak to the context. And the context is this. Jesus had just given orders to his followers to go to the other side of the lake. He said, we're going to the other side of the lake. The lake that he's talking about is the Sea of Galilee. And this is really a pivotal moment in Jesus' ministry because up to this point, most of the miracles, most of the healings that you read about up through chapter 8 had happened in in Jewish regions. But the other side of the lake marked a shift in Jesus' ministry because the other side of the lake was the Decapolis and it was not Jewish. And so in the mind of the disciples, they were going to enemy territory. And so I think it's worth saying that before the storm ever hits, we can imagine that the disciples would have been on edge because uh, Jesus' decision to go to the other side of the lake was going to push up against their comfort zone. And so we're going to start in verse 23. You can read along with me. It says, Jesus got into the boat and his disciples followed. It says, suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. Don't you love Jesus? Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. It's striking to me because these disciples had been with Jesus. They'd seen him move. They'd seen him do healings. They'd seen him do miracles. They'd seen him actually move their hearts and the hearts of others. And yet when push comes to shove and when the rubber hits the road and when it really got dark, they seemed to still lack a full understanding of who was in the boat with them and what he was capable of. Who is this Jesus? What kind of man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. I wonder how many uh, of, of us is in that same boat where we've been walking with Jesus for a while. We've been talking with Jesus. We've seen him move in our heart and the hearts of others. We've seen him do miracles even. And yet when push comes to shove and the rubber hits the road, we still lack a confidence in what Jesus is able to do even though he's in the boat with us. Uh, so a, a couple thoughts from this story that I'm hoping will, will challenge you and, and maybe encourage you. The first thing I want you to notice in this story is the order. And so before Jesus addresses the storm, he addresses their faith. Scripture says the disciples wake up Jesus. They say, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. 
Jesus responds to him, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then, and only then, he rebukes the wind of the waves and it's completely calm. You see, there's an intentional order to this story because Jesus, or before Jesus ever addresses the storm, he addresses their faith. It's almost like Jesus is saying, yeah, we'll talk about your situation in a second, but first I actually want to talk to your, your heart because it might not feel like it in the moment, but what's going on in you is actually more important than what's going on around you. So that's a reminder for those of us in 2020, which is, uh, I guess, all of us, uh, is that the bigger that the storm is, the higher our propensity is to be focused on what's outward instead of what's inward, even though what's inward is actually more important than what's outward. Because there's, there's a seen battle and then there's an unseen battle. And I wonder if God sent me here to tell you, do not neglect what God is doing in you just because of what's going on around you. Do not uh, be so um, blindsided by the chaos around you that you forget about what God is actually wanting to do and prepare in your heart in this season. Because even though this storm might be affecting your present, and it is, make no mistake, it's actually the posture and the position of your heart that's going to determine your future. And what the disciples failed to see is that peace isn't the absence of a storm. Peace is actually the presence of Jesus on your boat. Peace isn't the absence of a storm. Peace is the presence of Jesus on your boat. And they were so busy looking at the chaos that they didn't see the Christ who was right before them. You know, it reminds me of Psalm 23. And uh, I was going to read you the, the whole verse, but, um, or the whole scripture. I'm just going to read you a couple verses, though. And I'm sure that you guys, or, or a lot of us, have heard this. It says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Then it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And I, I read this scripture a lot of times. And I, I've kind of read past that part because it didn't seem all that important to me at the time. Uh, until I really started to understand what he was saying. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Uh, I started thinking, what a strange statement that is. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Uh, because if you know anything about God, you know that God could prepare a table before you anywhere that he wants to. So your God could defeat all your enemies. He could calm all of your storms. He could deal with whatever's distracting you. Then he could prepare a table at the top of a mountain as you look down on the victory. But God doesn't do that. Instead, he sets up shop while you are still surrounded. And so right in the middle of your chaos and the presence of your enemies is where God prepares a table for you. And why would he do that? I like to suggest that maybe it's because our God isn't the God of around. Our God is the God of through. And so sometimes when we're in the middle of a moment, he sets a table before us so that we can be actually re-engaged in the conversation that we need to be having. We actually need energy so that we can continue to press on through because our God isn't a God of around. Our God's a God of through. I like to suggest that maybe it's because God cares a whole lot more about your character than your comfort. Noticed a lot of my prayers go towards my comfort, but God cares less about my comfort and more about my character. Less about how I'm feeling in a moment and more about what God's actually trying to do in me to prepare me for what's next. 
I like to suggest maybe it's because there's something God is trying to give us through the storm. It might look like perspective. It might look like grit. It might look like faith. That's why you hear so many people who have gone through incredible hardship who say something along the lines of, I wouldn't choose it, but I wouldn't change it because of what God gave me through the process of my pain. I wouldn't choose it, but I wouldn't change it. I would like to suggest maybe God is actually in the process of giving you something that you need for your future. So instead of bringing you out of the chaos, he enters the chaos with you. He says, let's have a conversation. Let's share a meal. I've created a space for you in the middle of this moment to sustain you and to strengthen you for what's next. And it's at this table that you find your peace because peace isn't the absence of a storm. It's the presence of Jesus on your boat. Second idea from the story. And this, this one's simple, but man, is it important, friends. The storms are going to come. The storms are going to come. One of the things that I love about this particular story is that it highlights a tension that exists in each of us. Because the reality is a lot of us love the idea of following Jesus more than the reality of following Jesus. I was thinking about it this way. A lot of Christians love being in the boat. They love the feeling of the wave beneath their feet. I mean, I mean they love the grace and they, they love the forgiveness and they love the purpose and they love the direction that God gives to their life and they love the community and they love the hope. They love the benefits of the boat, but they really struggle with the reality of where that boat's headed. Because Jesus says, this boat is going to the other side. This boat is going to the Decapolis. This boat is going away from your comfort zone. This boat is heading in a direction that will confront your sin and your selfishness and your brokenness. This boat is not afraid of the wind or the waves. And make no mistake, if you decide to follow Jesus, there will be storms. No amens for that one. That's okay. There will be storms. Calm isn't promised anywhere in Scripture. Trouble is. In this world, you will have trouble, says John in John 16. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. Here's what I want us to understand. Following Jesus won't always be easy. It won't always be calm. But in whatever storm you're going through, you will always have peace because Jesus is in the boat with you. And Pastor Robert Ferguson uh, said it this way. He said, peace isn't the absence of something bad. It's the presence of someone good. The peace that we, we, we think about in our brains tends to fall more on the category of calm. It's the absence of something bad, but peace is the presence of someone good. The storms will come. Disciples said, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. And Jesus' response says it all. He says, you of little faith, what are you so afraid of? What are you so afraid of? And that's a good question for 2020. What are you so afraid of? In my studies this, this week, I found out that there's 365 instances of do not be afraid in your Bible. 365, which means that there's enough do not be afraids for every day of the year, which is convenient because that's about how many times I need to be reminded of that truth. Every morning when I wake up, do not be afraid, Brian. Do not be afraid, Brian, even though nothing looks like it used to and it seems like every rug in this season that you stand out just gets pulled out from under you. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, even though if I'm really honest, I'm a little bit anxious about how quarantine's going to actually impact the, the, the development of my sweet girls. 
He says, do not be afraid. Even though there are some days that I feel completely overwhelmed by the sheer amount of change that happens on a daily basis, not a weekly basis. Do not be afraid. If you have to homeschool your kids and you've got all sorts of different things that you're juggling, do not be afraid. 365 times, 365 verses, and I want to read just one of them to you right now. It's in Joshua 1.9, and it's, it's, it's been a verse that's, that's given me so much courage. He says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. He says, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Why? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. For the Lord your God is with you forever, wherever you go. And I think it's worth pointing out, Joshua had every reason to fear. He was facing a storm in his own right. He was headed towards Jericho. He had a flooded river that he needed to get across with an army. And in fact, I was looking at these verses, and if there is a common thread throughout all of them, it's the fact that it seems like each time that it gets spoken, it's into a situation where there's a very real reason to be scared. It's not like, hey... Here's a bunch of cute little cuddly puppies. Do not be afraid. That's not the verses that we're talking about here. It's like, no, you're getting sent into battle. They're bigger than you. They're stronger than you. There's more of them than there are of us. And by the way, don't be afraid. Now, at first it was confusing to me. But the more that I read, the more that I began to see what I believe God's inviting us into. And here's what I mean. You have to see what it doesn't say. To really understand what he is saying. And this is important. If you get one thing, I, I would pray this would be the thing that you get. It doesn't say don't feel afraid. It says don't be afraid. And it doesn't say don't feel discouraged. It says don't be discouraged. And what I realized this week while I was reading this is that there's a big difference between feeling something and being something. So I, I want to say this as clearly as I can to each of you. It is okay if you feel scared in light of everything that has changed, in light of all that the, 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 the changes that have happened in such quick succession. It is okay if you feel scared. It is okay if you feel discouraged. It is okay if you feel stressed out. That doesn't make you a bad Christian. It makes you a human. Welcome to the club. But just because you feel afraid doesn't mean that you have to be afraid. Just because you feel afraid doesn't mean that you have to be afraid. Friends, I believe God is imploring us 365 times in your scripture, do not allow your fear to own you. Do not allow your fear to become a core part of your identity. Do not allow your fear to be the thing that drives your decision making. Do not live your life in such a way that fear becomes who you are and how you act in the world and what you're putting out into the world. So it's okay to feel fear, but don't be afraid. Why? Because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Our courage doesn't come from our goodness. It comes from our proximity to somebody who's good. Amen. You see, it's not that Jesus isn't saying what you're up against isn't scary. He's saying don't be afraid because I'm with you wherever you go. Don't be afraid because the storm is raging. Not that it's not scary, but I'm right here in your boat. Do not overlook what I am capable of. And I am with you. So friends, you might feel afraid, but you have a God-given right to choose, to choose courage because God is with you. And you might feel discouraged, 
but you have a God-given right to choose strength because the Lord is your strength. And you might feel anxious, but you can still choose peace because peace is knowing that the storm might be thrashing all around you, but Christ is in the boat with you. Don't forget to look at Christ who's with you in the storm. Because the storm might be close, but I can promise you this, Jesus is closer. If there's one thing I learned this year is you can't choose your storm, but you can choose your perspective. And earlier this week, I had a, a disagreement with my wife, and it was about uh, subtitles. It, it, was, it was about closed captioning. She loves them. I hate them. I feel like if they're on the, the screen, it just feels like I'm reading a book. I can't actually focus on the words and the pictures at the same time. And she's like, yeah, I just do both. And so I did a little bit of research coming out of that uh, disagreement. And according to a review done by MIT, Neurological science has demonstrated that the human brain is incapable of focusing on two things at once. Can't do it. It's impossible. I'm not saying she's wrong. I'm just saying the facts are the facts. I got one amen. Thank you for that. According to uh, this study, when people say that they're multitasking and focusing on two things simultaneously, what's actually happening is that they're just changing back and forth between tasks, and, and some people are better at it than others. I cannot claim to be good or, or even average at this. I'm, I'm, I'm quite, quite poor uh, in this particular area, but I cannot overstate how little I know about neuroscience. I can't overstate it, but here's what I do know. If I'm looking at you... I can't be looking at them. And if I'm looking at them, I can't be looking at you. And I can look at you and then them and then you and then them and then you. And I can go back and forth as much as I can. But no matter how much I wish that I could, I can't look and focus on both of you at the same time. According to science and MIT and everything that we know about the human brain. And some of you guys, where is he going with this? Uh, we're, we're going somewhere, I promise. Some people might view this as a limitation but in this season, I am going to choose to see this as a gift. Because here's what that means. If I am in the middle of a storm, I can either look at the storm or I can look at Jesus. And I can either focus on the crisis that's surrounding me or the Christ who's with me. Friends, I can't do both. I can, I can try and multitask as best as I can and go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, but I can't truly focus on both at the same time. And I, I don't mean to minimize or oversimplify or do a, a whole thing. I'm just trying to say that if you're in the middle of it right now, if you're in the middle of a storm, and if Jesus is in your boat, then look to Jesus. Look to Jesus, and I can't promise you that you're not going to see the storm out of your peripheral vision. But I can promise you that the storm looks a whole lot different when Christ is in your crosshairs, when Christ is your focus. Church, do not let your storm define the way that you see God. Let the way that you see God define your storm. And maybe, maybe you've been waiting through this season for a peace it's going to look like this. Just me. <laughs> it's supposed to be a smoothie picture from the beginning. Maybe you're waiting on a smoothie. Maybe you're waiting on a pineapple and a fake beach in Poipu, Kauai. Maybe this is the piece that you've been waiting for. 
But I got to tell you, if you're waiting on peace that looks like this, you might be waiting a long time. And you might be discouraged. But I'm here with some good news. And the good news is that the Jesus or the peace that Jesus is offering isn't just available at the end of the storm. It's available during it. It's the realization that Jesus is in your boat. Because peace isn't the absence of the storm. It's the presence of Jesus on your boat. Friends, I I don't know what kind of storm you find yourself in right now. I don't know what you've lost. I don't know what's been changed. I don't know what's been pulled out from under you this year. I don't know what what type of pain you're experiencing. But I I just want to suggest that you can either meet the storm that you're in with worry, or you can meet the storm that you're in with prayer. Again, we, we have a choice that we get to make. What are we going to choose to focus on? The worry which comes from focusing on ourselves and all the ways that we can't control the situation. Or we can focus with prayer on having a conversation with the one who can. I saw this quote from Pastor Craig Rochelle. It's really stuck with me. It says, if it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. If it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. And so in closing, I want to pray uh, for us as a community to have uh, a picture of peace where we can actually choose peace even when it looks like chaos. Where we're not just waiting for peace that's wrapped in calm. We see that peace is available to us every second of every day. Because Jesus is with us wherever we go. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. There's a table that's been prepared for you even while you're surrounded in the presence of your enemies. And so I want to pray for us, and then we're actually going to have these words spoken over us and sung over us um, to conclude the service. And I want to encourage you to continue worshiping through listening to the song. But first I want to pray. So will you bow your heads and close your eyes? God, I pray that you would allow us to see that peace is so much more than calm. God, sometimes peace looks like chaos. And God, we know that the storm might be raging. God, but you are not filled with fear. You are not filled filled with stress. You are not filled filled with anything, God, that, that, that brings us worry. You are in complete control. And so, God, in this storm, we pray that you would give us the capacity and the context to be able to focus on you. Would the way that we view you be the way that we actually see the rest of the world instead of the world defining the way that we see you? God, we pray for a peace that doesn't always look like calm. We look like a strength that doesn't always look like muscle. We pray for a rest that doesn't always look like sleep. God, would you remind us in the moments that we feel surrounded, that you are for us, that you are with us, that you are above us and below us and beside us. God, give us the courage to choose peace in the midst of the chaos? Would we be a people who aren't known as fair-weather Christians? Would we be a people who know that you're an anchor and we never need an anchor more than in the midst of a storm? So would we keep our focus on you? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for watching. We're so glad that you joined us today. Once again, we hope you'll get involved in biblical face-to-face community wherever you happen to be today. If you'd like more information about Christ the King Community Church, if you'd like to give online, or if you'd like to submit a prayer request, or even get connected in a small group, you can find out more about us at ctk.church.
Once again, we hope you'll get involved in biblical face-to-face community wherever you happen to be today. If you'd like more information about Christ the King Community Church, if you'd like to give online, or if you'd like to submit a prayer request, or even get connected in a small group, you can find out more about us at ctk.church.